0: available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. On
1: this episode, there was a lot of excitement from the University of Saskatchewan surrounding the release of a landmark study. The U Sask led team of roughly 100 international scientists from 10 countries generated the first genomic atlas for global wheat improvement. Crop Development Center Director Dr. Curtis Pozniak will tell us how this atlas will enable scientists and breeders to much more quickly identify influential genes that will eventually improve yield, pest resistance, and other important crop traits. Grain Growers of Canada released a new video project to help educate politicians and policymakers about the challenges and realities facing farmers today. Today's Modern Grain Farm, A Harvest Across Canada, features farmers from across the country, including Saskatchewan grain farmer Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel. Sherilyn will explain why it's crucial to reach out to politicians and their teams and present what life is like as a modern grain farmer all across the country. She says, when the question is asked, how can the Canadian economy recover from coronavirus, the answer might be, in a really strong agriculture industry. And there are a number of ways that Ottawa can be supportive of farmers. After the break, Curtis Pozniak.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Dr. Curtis Pozniak is the director of the Crop Development Center at the University of Saskatchewan. And he is also the project lead for the international team that just sequenced the genomes for 15 wheat varieties. Curtis, uh, a very exciting time for, for you and the entire team.
0: Yeah, it's an exciting day uh, for us in, in the wheat community. And uh, and what we mean by a, a genomic atlas is that uh, for the first time, we're, we've generated multiple wheat genome sequences. So just two years ago, uh, I was part of a project, uh, a big international project that sequenced the first wheat genome. And uh, that, that was sort of a, a big a big time in wheat genetics and research because we could see for the first time sort of the blueprint of wheat, the genetic code. Um, but if you only have one of something, it's hard to compare, right? Uh, what what makes different wheat varieties different? What makes some varieties better than others? So the strategy in, in this work was to sequence multiple uh, wheat varieties so that we could compare them and really understand um, the differences um, between, uh, 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 um, in this case, we sequenced uh, 15 varieties. What is the difference between those 15? And, and that provides us clues, this atlas of information um, that we can then use to, uh, to help us in breeding, to help us in research, to, uh, to better understand how, how wheat works.
1: So, I understand about 100 scientists, numerous countries involved in this. So, this work uh, has the potential to have a dramatic impact on uh, farmers and farming right across the world.
0: You bet, yeah. There were uh, over 10 countries, you know, just as you mentioned, under 100 scientists. uh, And we sequenced uh, varieties, not only from Canada, um, but varieties that are grown in um, in, in several other countries. Um, so obviously the work will have impact uh, a- across the globe. Uh, and it gives us the opportunity to, to really understand the, ge- the genetic differences between uh, the material that we use in our breeding programs in Canada and how we might be able to use uh, some of the genetic information from varieties from, from around the globe in our own breeding programs and that applies for, for programs all over the world where they can take a look at, at their genetic material and how it relates to the lines that we sequence um, to, to help them with their research.
1: Farmers are... A- always looking for those varieties that are best suited for their region and uh, they're built to handle any of the challenges out there, growing conditions, anything that Mother Nature can throw at them. So what are the biggest challenges for wheat production and how is this information going to help farmers dealing with some of those growing issues like, like disease, for example?
0: Right. Yeah. So obviously disease, uh, disease resistance, as you mentioned, uh, is quite important. Um, so we I'm a plant breeder as well. I, I breed wheat at the Crop Development Center, focusing specifically on sperm. Um and, you know, in a big production constraints, um, uh, you know, is disease and, um, and and obviously maximizing yield and minimizing uh, disease is, is a top priority for producers. So the research that we conducted actually looked specifically uh, in these varieties uh, at at disease resistant genes. There was a small component where we we took a look at at characterizing and identifying resistant genes in each of the different individual uh, varieties that we sequenced, and we saw they were different. Some varieties had more, some had less, some had disease resistant genes that were very very unique. Um, um, and weren't present in, for example, Canadian germplasm. We don't know yet what those disease resistance do, uh, genes do, and, and if they would be valuable to our program. Uh, but clearly, having that information um, lets us uh, take a look and say, hey, maybe this is interesting. Maybe this is something that we should be looking at. Maybe we should be using these uh, genes in our breeding program. So so this atlas of disease resistance genes is Uh, will be a useful tool uh, for us to to assess uh, how we might use those in the context of breeding uh, to fend off disease.
1: Wheat obviously plays a significant role in providing food right across the globe. So do you see this type of work gets more traction because of its role in food security?
0: Right. Well, you know, wheat is an important crop globally and 20% of human calories, um, so the, the, all of the calories we consume around the world, 20% of that actually comes from wheat. So the protein and starch, it's very important for humankind. Um, obviously, in Canada, um, we're predominantly export market. And so we generate uh, wheat varieties that have uh, a really high standard of quality to meet with the uh, the demands of, of um millers and bakers and and uh, noodle makers and so on the, the vast array of what we to use for um so the work that 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 we've looked at in this paper uh one of the things that we did look at uh at least in the original part of the study was uh, can we see differences in uh yeah. amongst these varieties for for some of the quality genes and of course they were there we could see them um, and in particular, we're going to do a lot of follow-up study now, um, looking at uh, some of the quality genes in, in some of the uh, Canadian material that, that we sequenced, and see if we can't tease out a, a better understanding of how how those genes might be important to end use quality. So you know, there's two parts to 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 your question. One is the uh, the human human. Uh, um, um, calorie components, but as well as the functionality for, for bread and noodles and so on.
1: It's really great to see how uh, so many groups have come together uh, working towards this goal of creating this atlas. Uh, but obviously this type of work is not cheap. And uh, you've gotten a lot of support from many different sources for, for this work. So who are these people or these groups involved that um, that help with uh, making sure this kind of work continues?
0: Oh, it's a very good question. Um, and, you know, the project sort of evolved um, in a way uh, and grew to be uh, a big international project um, um, because uh, of of the need to attract funding from several different partners. So uh, several countries contributed to their regional activities, uh, and then that uh, the information generated from that science has been pulled together in this in, in, into this group to um, to allow um, the research uh, to be compared, so that we could actually compare all of the genomes from you know from Canada, Germany, Australia, Israel, and so on. Um, so, but here in Canada, we've been. Uh, really fortunate to receive funding from um, Genome Canada. Uh, so this was a large uh, project that I, I was a uh, uh, leader of, along with uh, Dr. Andrew Sharp from the Global Institute for Food Security. We co-led that project. Uh, and there were a number of co-funders that, uh, that put money uh, into the project. And um, there, there's a long list um, and, 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 uh, so the Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission, the Saskatchewan Ministry of Agriculture, Western Grains Research Foundation, the Alberta Wheat Commission, Manitoba Wheat and Barley Commission, uh, Viterra, and, uh, and of course Genome Prairie, uh, here in Saskatoon was critical in helping us manage the project. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was, uh, I think a good testament that, we had producer groups and government funding this project, and and producers seeing the value, in fact, of, of the work that we're doing and the impact that it can have on um, on variety development, which ultimately flows to um, uh, to farmers to improve improve their profitability.
1: So, Curtis, what is the next step? Ooh,
0: the next step. So, um, I was mentioning the the Genome Canada project that. Uh, uh, this work was conducted under, and uh, we were just successful, I guess, suppose it's about a year ago now, um, in another large-scale uh, wheat genomics project. Um, and um, this work will obviously pave the way for us uh, to continue uh, doing more uh, genetic research on, the, um, on what makes the genome tick. So we have, uh, we have identified and sequenced varieties, we only sequenced 16, (laughs) there's many, many more (laughs) uh, throughout the globe that we need to understand, and and then start to figure out, you know, how do these genes actually work? What makes these varieties unique? What genes are important for traits that, that are in demand by our producers? That's the next step that we really need to delve into. Uh, another piece that we're working on uh, is part of our New Genome Canada grant. It's called the 4-D Wheat Project. Um, that particular project is, is also looking at um, utilizing wheat to wild relatives. It's uh, so sort of going way back in time. Uh, there's about uh, just over 500,000 different uh, accessions of of wild wheat uh, that have been collected and stored in gene banks all over the world. And using those resources in, in breeding is challenging because A, there's so many and, and, and B, um, working with wild material is, is very different than uh, working with material that's uh, uh, domesticated and, and adapted to uh, Western Canadian farms. So we want to use a genomics approach to see if we can't design some strategies uh, to efficiently utilize um, the wild relatives as a source of genetic variation uh, in our breeding programs.
1: Dr. Curtis Pozniak is the director of the Crop Development Centre at the University of Saskatchewan. After the break... The Grain Growers of Canada have just released a short video and they're hoping to educate politicians and policymakers about the challenges and realities that farmers are facing today. Up next is Sherry lynn Jolly-Nagel, a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association.
0: Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane.
1: Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel is a farmer from Mossbank, Saskatchewan and is also a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association. Sherilyn, we're going to talk about a short video that has just been produced and released by the Grain Growers of Canada, a special project. Uh, Tell us uh, about this film and uh, why it was put together.
2: Yeah, so I'm a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association, which is a member of the Grain Growers of Canada. And the Grain Growers of Canada is an umbrella organization that brings members, farmer members from across Canada. I, I think it's 65,000, you know, farmer members that they are representing today. And uh, they're kind of our voice in Ottawa uh, that that gives us an opportunity to really reach out to parliamentarians on any given issue of the day. And so this tool, this Harvest Across Canada video, was launched for us specifically to reach out to speak to parliamentarians and their staff and their teams to share what goes into a modern farm operation and, and really kind of explain what how we do as farmers relates to their line of work in the policy
1: world. Now, the interviews that were featured in this video involved farmers from right across Canada there was a focus on very specific topics during this film. Uh, what were those issues, and why were they the ones chosen to be featured during this presentation?
2: Yeah, you're right. So we're we're close enough to Christmas that we can start talking about wish lists. And if you have you know a room full of parliamentarians in front of a farmer, there's a long wish list of you know priorities that we would like them to be working on. So we we were quite focused in this video and we looked at three pillars. We looked at sustainability, we looked at innovation, and we looked at trade. And agriculture out west can sometimes be different than agriculture out east and, and in our eastern counterparts. We can have very different issues. But those three pillars we certainly have in common. Canada is an export nation and farmers all across Canada are growing crops that get exported around the globe. So it was important for us to cover off the issue of trade and ensure that, that parliamentarians have a good understanding of how important it is to us to have strong free trade agreements in place and that those free trade agreements are working, that they're efficient, they're kind of as promised. And certainly over the last couple of years, we've had a, a tumultuous trade environment and we're, we're trying to draw attention back to how important global trade is. And, you know, when we think about, you know, the, the COVID pandemic that we're still experiencing today, um, one of the things that keeps me up at night is how protectionist a lot of countries have become in the pandemic. They're really concerned about What they can do to be more self-sufficient. And that is a real problem when it comes to countries like Canada that are so export oriented I would say it's more than 65% of Canada's GDP, and it could be even higher than that, is reliant on trade. So we can't, we can't just be self-sufficient. We also have to ensure that the world gets back to a place where global trade becomes a priority for everyone. There just simply isn't a high enough population in Canada to consume all that is grown. And, you know, one of the, you know, fun statistics we, I like to use is that just solely on our farm alone, we would grow enough durum each and every year for 117 million bowls of spaghetti. So where we love to talk about eating local, you know, buying local, consuming Canadian products is consuming Saskatchewan-made products. That, that makes me feel good and I participate in that. But it isn't enough to support our economy. We still have to be uh, cheerleaders for global trade and we need our parliamentarians to be very focused on getting back to a place where trade is, uh, is at the very top of our priority list.
1: I'm speaking with Mossbank Saskatchewan farmer Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel. When you look at government representation, MPs from the prairies are obviously going to have a little closer connection to agriculture compared to, say, politicians that represent larger urban areas. So uh, the video, I'm sure, is targeted or more strategically focused on those MPs, but is there another target audience? Well,
2: listen, any chance we get to converse uh, with our consumers and with the general public is is a good opportunity for agriculture. Uh, I've certainly noticed that that we have been eroding the the public trust. You know, in, in years, years ago, the public certainly trusted farmers in the agriculture industry to grow safe, healthy food that was affordable and environmentally sustainable. And I guess because of the, you know, the age of information, which now allows people to quickly Google uh, how food is produced and, and what goes into our food production in Canada. And there's a lot of misinformation about agriculture and modern agriculture the the tools that we use i would use glyphosate as a perfect example if if a consumer had concerns about the use of glyphosate in canada and they chose to google their answers they could come across some vastly uh, different information than if they had a conversation with a farmer that uses the glyphosate and the benefit and has and has personally seen the benefits of a crop protection product like glyphosate so we've got a you know a kind of a a strong dichotomy where consumers are searching online for answers about food production, and then you've got an agricultural community that really didn't consider communicating and being online as part of our to-do list. So it's kind of a, we're in the lessons learned stage of that that, um, sustainability issue, that public trust component, and you'll see a lot of farmers like myself that are taking an interest in having these conversations with consumers. So where this video was designed to address, you know, issues that our parliamentarians and our elected officials might come across, it's certainly a great tool for consumers to take a quick 15 minutes and watch this video and hear from some farmers about, what innovation means to us, uh, how we feel about being sustainable and being part of, you know, environmental control measures in Canada and just hearing directly from a farmer. I mean, not only pre-COVID, but post covid Consumers uh, that live in an urban center would find it challenging to just walk onto a farm and ask a farmer some questions. So here is a modern tool that's available online that anybody would be able to hit play and have uh, a quick conversation with several farmers from across the country.
1: Looking back, could you have possibly imagined the amount of time and effort And the funds that go into trying to dispel some of the myths about modern agriculture. Here we have farmers featured in videos, movie stars. Could you could you have imagined how much time um, it takes to put these things together, and how important it's become?
2: Well, I can't. I couldn't have imagined, you know, how how challenging it would be to talk to consumers about. How agriculture has advanced. And I would say it takes a lot more effort to react to information than it would have to be to have been proactive. So if agriculture had realized that our public was getting farther and farther disconnected from our industry. we may have decided at that point in time to say geez we better get everybody caught up to speed here because they still the general public still visualizes agriculture through very nostalgic you know <laughs> glasses. They think about farmers as you know the old man with the pitchfork. they love to talk about you know the old red barn they love to take pictures of an old red barn and in the meantime, agriculture has gone at lightning pace and advanced to be one of the most scientifically uh, advanced industries on the globe. And so we've got, you know, a situation where how our public views us is vastly different than how we are truly operating today. So I take a lot of my own personal time to meet with and discuss and have conversations with the public and answer their questions because I feel like we have such good answers to their questions and their questions are reasonable. We just have to, you know, break down some of the defenses that we have up today. And and I'm as guilty as anybody else. I certainly learned my lessons, you know, answering questions on Facebook in all capital letters when I felt like our industry was being attacked. And I've I've realized that you know, that response isn't quite as effective as we can be if we calm down and appreciate that the questions the public has are great questions, and we have equally great answers if we would take some time to to spend with our public.
1: One of the farmers uh, featured in the video uh, said... I want what everyone else wants. I want the safest products out there for me and my family. That's powerful stuff, Sherilyn. And I think that sharing the human side of it has become an important aspect of the message. Yeah, I I would say
2: based on our research in Canada and abroad, that farmers are still at the top of the list when it comes to professions that people trust. So when you ask the general public about who, who they trust to get uh, true and accurate information from, farmers are at the top of that list, and we didn't ask as farmers for that kind of recognition. You know we we did not ask for there to be a big spotlight on our industry. But as consumers' interest in their food uh, it was increasing, the necessity for farmers to come off the tractor, come off the farm, and share these stories has increased as well. And so <laughs> we we're in a position now in Canada where less than two percent of our population is farming today. So there's a very small uh, small group of people who are actively producing food in this country, and we're busy. <laughs> we are busy doing that job. So to ask us to take more time out of that day to share with the public the reasons behind the decisions that we're making, share with them the reasons why we choose to grow this crop over that crop or the reasons why we choose to use glyphosate or not or grow GMOs or not it just takes time and communication is a skill. And not every farmer would, you know, wants to participate. But I do think our industry is understanding that we have an obligation to participate if we want to have access to the new technology that that we've relied on.
1: Sherilyn, the public is uh, very welcome to see this video. So tell us again where we can find it and just spend a few minutes watching.
2: Yeah, that would be great. It's, it's available now on YouTube. It was the Grain Growers of Canada that, that are actively putting out this video so you'll be able to find it on the Grain Growers of Canada website and please by all means share the video let's get more people watching it and like I said if you have questions about it after you've seen the video and and something strikes a nerve or you have an interest in it ask a farmer you know there's lots of farmers around that are willing to participate and, and there's lots of active farmers on social media today so reach out and ask and ask your questions we're happy to answer them
1: Sherilyn Jolly-Nagel is a director with the Western Canadian Wheat Growers Association and also farms with her husband and family at Mossbank, Saskatchewan. It's time for the weekly agriculture news roundup for the week of November 30th, 2020. Farm groups were encouraged. Federal, provincial and territorial governments were considering improvements to the Agri-Stability Program. Agricultural Producers Association of Saskatchewan President Todd Lewis said that the feds tabled concrete proposals to fund their 60% share of the program, and he's hopeful discussions will continue towards an agreement. He says these decisions are being made at a time of financial uncertainty. Grain Growers of Canada Chair Jeff Nielsen says the proposal would increase the compensation rate under agri-stability from 70 to 80% and remove the reference margin limit. Nielsen says that he appreciates Ag Minister Marie-Claude Bebo's work on getting support for the change from Cabinet. And the Canadian Pork Council, pleased with the proposed solution to fix agri stability, but disappointed that a consensus was not reached at the meeting. Chair Rick Bergman says the lack of consensus is especially troubling, given the unprecedented volatility and risk that pork producers face due to COVID-19. The federal government committed to providing compensation for the supply management sector by this spring. Federal Minister Marie-Claude Bebo said officials are putting together the last details before the second payment is made. Last year, the federal government offered the first installment of a $1.75 billion payout to dairy producers to cover market losses from negotiations of two trade deals. In making the announcement, Bebo echoed previous comments that the other supply-managed commodities and details would be announced before April for the poultry sector. The Canadian Grain Commission confirmed CanPulse Foods of Kindersley, Saskatchewan, Global Grain of Plum Coulee, Manitoba, and Global Waste Canada based in Ontario had been placed in receivership. CGC's Remy Goslin says that they hold security in the form of payable insurance policies. Goslin said he is aware some producers recently demanded the return of their grain for unpaid deliveries. He considered that to be a good news story, and it also serves to reduce liability to producers. The agriculture sector continued its strong performance in the midst of a global pandemic. Statistics Canada reported Canadian farm cash receipts totaled $51.6 billion over the first three quarters of 2020, an increase of 8.4% for the same period the previous year. Higher marketings were reported for most grains and oilseeds, especially canola. Crop receipts rose 14.8%. The cattle industry did not fare as well. Livestock receipts decreased 2.2%. The movement of infected meat by people poses the highest risk for introducing African swine fever into regions that have remained free of infection. Dr. John Carr said procedures in place to slow the spread of COVID-19 have reduced the risk of moving ASF, but public education remains critical as most diseases die with the animal, but that is not the case with ASF. He said if there is meat that tests positive and is carrying the virus in a pizza, then that virus moves with that pizza. Bueller Industries announced that Farm King products, currently manufactured in Wilmar, Minnesota, will be relocated to its Morden, Manitoba factory. The factory in Morden, one of the original Bueller Industries factories, will now be the primary source of Farm King production. Bueller said the extensive network of Farm King dealers in Canada and the United States will not experience delays in delivery of whole goods or service parts. The company manufactures and distributes its products through several brand names including Versatile and Farm King. The Prairie Cereal Summit in Banff, Alberta has been cancelled. The Alberta Wheat and Barley Commission's made the decision based on Alberta's health and safety protocols and the Commission's desire to continue to reduce the spread of COVID-19. Alberta Barley will be holding its annual meeting online.